Some of you may have seen the sign on the table up here this morning, walk-ins welcome, kind of a, a joke, if you will, or a play on words, I guess would be the best phrase. Uh, years ago, when I, but when I would go to the barber, often they would have this sign out front that says, walk-ins welcome. What we're going to look at starting this morning is about five lessons that deal with the phrase walk in that are found in scripture. Uh, at the church that my wife and I were at last, we had this habit. We called it revival practice. And basically it was an in-house revival, five services that uh, I would preach and it was just an opportunity to try to draw closer to the Lord. And as I thought about these, uh, I had never developed this particular series. I've got another one called They're Great. Of course, that's, you know, Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. So they're great. But this one this morning is called Walk In. Romans chapter 6 is our text for the morning. We will be in verses 1 through 11. Due to time constraints, we will read only the first four verses to begin with. And so just as by way of introduction, the phrase walk in is found 79 times in 78 verses in the Bible. 20 of those are found in the New Testament. And as I said, we will look at five of them. Romans chapter 6, starting in verse number 1, the Bible says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, notice this last phrase, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your word. And Lord, this morning we do ask you that you would just take your word and plant it deep within our hearts. Help us, Father, to truly know your word this morning and to act upon it. Teach us thy will, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was thinking about this particular passage of Scripture, I had thought of several different ways to tackle this passage. But as I read the verses more closely, I, I realized that this passage kind of uh, outlines itself, really. There are many passages in the Bible that do that. Not all of them, but many do. And as I thought about this one, I realized that in order to really understand what the Bible is talking about, about the newness of life, we must first understand what it truly means to be dead. You know, many of you this morning, you have asked me, how am I doing? My standard answer is, I'm not dead yet. Well, that kind of ties into this, to be quite honest with you. We are told that we are supposed to be dead to sin, and many times we struggle with that. And so as we look at this this morning, we look at this idea of walking in the newness of life. If we are going to walk in the newness of life, that means there was something there beforehand. What was that something? We read in verse number one, the Bible says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? 
that grace may abound. We were dead in sin. Scripture tells us this quite clearly. You and I, before we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, there was nothing good about us. There was nothing that would recommend us to God. Our sins and our transgressions had separated us from the God that created us. And when we look at this idea of being dead in sin, it was our normal. It was the status quo, if you will. This verse, verse number one says, should we continue in sin? We were already there. We go back, we read passages like John chapter 3. And the Bible talks about how that God loved us enough to send His Son to die in our place. And it talks about how that we were beforehand dead. We were, we were under the penalty of sin. And because of that, we had no hope for heaven. We had no chance at all of anything beyond this life that was good. And as I, I thought about that this past few weeks, as I, I've studied through this, and uh, I, I have this concept of scripture sometimes that I call crockpot cooking or crockpot messages. You just kind of turn them on low and see what God does with them. And sometimes those can turn out to be the most enjoyable passages of scripture that you can do. You sit there, you just concentrate on them and you, you, you ponder what the scripture has to say and meditating on it, not on that kind of garbage, just simply thinking on it and going over it in your mind. And God can reveal things to you that, that maybe you had never noticed before. As we look at this passage of Scripture, we must understand and we must remember that 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 4 says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. You see, the penalty, the, dead, the death that we were already a part of was because of Adam's transgression. Adam had sinned against God. He had done what God said don't do. Many times we think that sin is often not doing something we're supposed to. There is that, that element of it. But in Adam's case, it was doing something he was strictly told don't do. And that sin has passed from Adam all the way down to this current generation and will be for every generation that's born in this world. There is no individual other than Jesus Christ himself that has ever been born without that natural sin nature. Thank God he was. But you know, this morning we, we are born in sin. The psalmist said, I was altogether conceived in sin. He wasn't saying his parents had committed some adulterous act. No, he was talking about that original sin. We are dead in sin this morning. Prior to our salvation, you and I, those of us that have accepted Christ, God changes our status. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But we see this dead in sin in Scripture. Before we could ever realize or recognize what it means to be alive, we must understand that we were first dead. We read other passages of Scripture like John chapter 6 and verse 23. For those of us in the room that are familiar with the Romans road, this is one of the key components of the Romans road, using it to win others to Christ. And this verse says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. Sin is the transgression of the law, and sins are those things that we do because of the nature that we have. You know, when we look at this, we, 
The Apostle Paul wrote it this way. He said, I, I, I do not those things that I should, and those things that I should do, those I do not. Now, that's a paraphrase and not a, a direct quote, obviously, but you get the idea. We, we unfortunately often don't do what we're supposed to do. And each time we fail God, without the grace and mercy of God having been implemented in our lives, there's a penalty that needs to be paid. And that payment is death. And it is a, a death in a, a lake of fire and eternal damnation. You know, you and I this morning, as Christians, those of us in the room, I, I look at the size of our congregation this morning, of our Sunday school class, and, you know, I, I hate to assume anything. I would like to think that in this room we're all saved. We're in Sunday school. But, you know, maybe there's the instance that maybe somebody's not this morning. And as I think of that, I must help you to remember that the wages of sin is death. There will come a time that God will say that that account is now payable. You've got to pay something on this. Now, thank God he did it for us. But if you're not saved, there's still a penalty to be paid. Ephesians chapter 2, verses, verse number 1, the Bible says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. I love that word, were. Scripture says, such were some of you in another place. Scripture is often talking about what we used to be. And I'm glad I'm not what I used to be. And many of us in the room this morning, we can, we can understand and we can realize and recognize we're maybe not what we're supposed to be. We're not perfect. We're not like Jesus the way that we should be. But thank God we're not what we used to be. We read down just a few verses further in verse number 5 in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5. The Bible says, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together by Christ, by grace ye are saved. Thank God this morning that what we used to be, this dead in sins, is no longer the case for those of us that have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. But you know, there's a, a concept in Scripture that really, even as Christians, sometimes we can live as if we're not saved. Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is death. We can act often as if we're not even saved. We struggle against that. Our carnal nature wants us to go back to being what we were, but we're not supposed to be that. When we read the next verse in this passage of Scripture in verse number 2, we read, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You see, we were dead in sin in verse number 1. Verse number 2, the Bible says that we are dead to sin. When we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, when we recognized and realized that He had paid our sin penalty, He changed our status. We are no longer just dead in sin. Now we're dead to sin. We have an ability through submission to Jesus Christ, through submission to the Holy Spirit, to live a life that we that we consciously endeavor to minimize or reduce or remove the sinful aspects of our life, becoming dead to sin. That is not easy. 
I struggle with it all the time. I was saved at the age of about 32, and unfortunately, many of the things, the words in particular that I learned as an unsaved man, they're still there in that gray mush in my head. Somebody says something, and often they may not say what I hear. I'll hear the old word. We consciously fight against this, but we're supposed to fight against it. We're supposed to be dead to sin. We're supposed to choose not to live like that. It is difficult, but I'll be honest with you this morning. It is a struggle that is worth the effort. It is a struggle that God wants us to have because without struggling or, or striving against the problems, the sin nature in our life, we have no chance of ever pleasing God. Now, I thank God this morning that He took care of our ticket to heaven, if you want to call it that. He took care of that when He saved us. When He made that payment and when we accepted that payment, we're going to heaven. There's nothing that can stop that. But when we get there, we will stand before our Lord. We're not going to stand at the same judgment that an unsaved person stands at. But we're going to stand before our Savior. And we're going to have to give an answer for the things that we've done in our body as a child of God. This is not a judgment for sin. It's a judgment for obedience, if you want to call it that. How did we live as a child of God? My son will always be my son no matter what he does. If my son goes out and, and commits some great moral failure in life, he's still my son. I may not be pleased with him, but he's still my son. And with us as a child of God, living our life as if we are unaccountable to anybody is an error of the greatest magnitude. This morning, I want us to remember that God says that we are to be dead to sin. Romans 6, verse 7, down just a few verses, the Bible says, For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, there are denominations, there are those that teach that once you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will never sin again. I have never met one of those people that did what they say they did. Not a one of them. I wish that was the case. I really do. I honestly wish that was the case. Because it would make life so much easier. But we are freed from sin in the idea or the concept that we are no longer bound to it. You see, when Jesus Christ saved us, He took away the, the commitment, if you will, of us to live that lifestyle. He cut that cord that binds us to it. And He gave us instead the Holy Spirit to dwell within us to give us the ability to live outside of that bondage. And thankfully He does this because otherwise we, as a former pastor of mine years ago was so fond of saying, he had an affinity for cars. He said, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be stealing cars by morning. Now, I understand what Brother Jeff meant, but... Uh, that's not my thing. We each have our own thing. But you get the idea. If it wasn't for the grace and mercy of God, cutting us free from that sin bond, we'd all be doing it by morning. We read on in Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17, 
The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is by far one of my top ten verses in Scripture. This is one of the verses that I use as an assurance of my salvation. Because the fact that I am not what I used to be is a key indicator that God did something in my heart. That God changed me. You see, we're supposed to be dead to sin. If we're dead to sin, that means we're something totally new. A brand new creature. There's a story of an old preacher from years gone by, and I never can remember exactly which one of them it is. And the idea is that he's walking down the street and he hears this voice behind him calling him by name. And he stops and he turns to face this person and they say, do you remember me? It's, and they give their name and he says, yes, I, I remember you, but I'm not him anymore. You know, God changes us. He makes that difference and makes us dead to sin. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 7, verses 18 and 19, he says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do not, that I would... Let's start over. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil that I would not, that I do. This is the passage that I paraphrased a little while ago. You know, the things that we want to do, we often don't do them. How many of us as Christians, and please don't raise your hands this morning, but how many of us as Christians, we get up in the morning with the intention of sitting down and reading our Bible for an hour or two hours, and we get up and we pour our first cup of coffee and somewhere along the way we realize a few hours later that we never did. Thank God for the mercy of God. But you know, we have intentions and they just don't always work out. God wants us to read our Bible. God wants us to pray and talk to Him. God wants us to be as close to Him as we possibly can. And we struggle against that that sinful nature to not do it. But we're supposed to be dead to sin this morning. We read in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 11. This is a, a, a good hillbilly word, I guess you'd say. This verse says, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Reckon. I reckon so. You know, you live in West Virginia for any amount of time. My wife's family is from there, and they've got their own. They need a new dictionary is all I know. Webster's can't touch that. And those, those folks got their own words. Guam. Guam is an island. And my wife says, no, 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 that's not it at all. But anyway, reckon. I reckon so. What does it mean to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin? What does that mean? It means to count, to number, or to esteem. To say that it's so. To look at ourselves and say, yes, I want to live my life today as if I'm dead to sin. There are days that each and every one of us, we succeed 
or fail at greater or lesser amounts from yesterday or tomorrow. I, I would that we could all live a 100% successful Christian life, but we don't always do that. But we should always try to. We should always strive to live a sinless life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31, the Bible says, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. Those last three words of that verse are so convicting. I die daily. You say, preacher, we're supposed to be talking this morning about walking in the newness of life. Yes. But until we learn how to be dead, dead to sin, we can never walk in the newness of life. We can understand the concept that it's there, but living in victory, that is a challenge when we don't realize or recognize how to be dead. Many years, for many, many years, I have used the phrase that I mentioned a little while ago, I'm not dead yet. And I have always meant it in the context of this verse. I die daily. But yet, I struggle with it. And in all the years that I've been using it, I've only ever had one person that really understood what I meant. One. In all those years. I don't know if it's because he recognized the same struggle within himself, or if he just didn't look at it in the earthly fashion, the, the way that most people take it. When I tell people I'm not dead yet, they say, well, that's a good thing. No, it's not. Not when you look at it the way that I look at it. And guys, we need to understand this. Romans 8, we read verse 6 a little while ago, but if we read verses eight, uh, chapter 8, verses 6 through 8, the Bible says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If we are not actively striving to be dead to sin, this verse is simply telling us that we cannot please God. Not 100%. There may be bits and pieces of our life that God is pleased with, but living in total, total acceptance, total victory, if you will, uh, that's not as likely. James chapter 4 and verse 17 is a verse that maybe, maybe even the very first verse that I ever memorized from Scripture. You say that's a weird verse to memorize. Most people, John 3.16 is the first. This one, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. If I know what's right and I don't do it, that's sin to me. We struggle with this. I do. I would hope, and I know that this can't be the case because we're all human, we're all created out of the same sinful flesh, that I would hope that you guys don't struggle with it as much as I do, but I'm sure many of us do. We struggle to come to the place where we do everything that's right all the time. That doesn't mean we should give up. So many of us, so many of us are like a character from a movie and we just throw up our hands and say, my give up, you know, that's not it at all. That's not what we're supposed to do. 
We're not just supposed to throw in the towel. We're not supposed to throw our hands up in exasperation and say, well, I'm not even going to try anymore. That's not the answer either. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 24, the Bible says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Now, if we stop right there and we read this verse, we remember what Christ did for us. We remember the penalty that he paid. We remember that he was paying our sin debt. It goes on, it says that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. We should live, it says in this verse, unto righteousness. Yesterday we had 30 some give or take people came out here and went out and just inviting others to church. Leaving a card on a door and hitting every door that we came to. Man, that was a blessing. But you know, that's not going to get us to heaven. I want to remind us of that this morning. This living unto righteousness is not a substitute for accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior. It is an expectation because we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. God says this is what we're supposed to do. Romans chapter 12 talks about a reasonable service. God never expects more of us than is reasonable. God always understands and recognizes our sinful state our sinful flesh that we fight against. But at the same time, God does have a desire for us to live for Him. Verse number 3, Romans 6, verse 3. The Bible says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Now, I'm not going to concentrate this morning on the word baptize. But I want us to understand that if we're going to recognize and realize what it means to have newness of life, we are first of all dead in sin, then we are to become dead to sin, and here we are supposed to be dead to self. There comes this point where we, where we change the focus of our desires. When my wife and I were dating I decided at that point that she was going to be the one that I wanted to be the object of my affection. Because of that, I chose to ignore all others. That's the way it's supposed to be. When it comes to Jesus Christ, when we accept Christ as our Savior, the Bible talking about I die daily, talking about dying to self, That's what we're supposed to do. Our desires should no longer be what we want, but what He wants. What Christ wants. What God wants for our life. And that is a constant struggle. You can laugh or smack me on the back of the head like my wife did if you want to. I was an unsaved man at this point, and we had just had our son and this would have been about 30 years ago and he was in the back seat in his little jumper seat and my wife is in the back seat and this scantily clad something ran by and as a carnal man I watched her go and my wife goes right in the back of my head I deserved that and I'm not saying I didn't but sometimes we can so easily get our eyes off of what we're supposed to have them on and sometimes we do need that wake-up call 
<laughs> it's rather brutal. I, it may still have a mark back there. I don't really know. And I don't have hair there now to hide it. So <laughs> well-deserved, that's for certain. But being dead to self is something that we struggle against all the time. When we look at passages of Scripture like Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Notice verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Notice verse 26 again, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Miss Julie back there, she introduced herself to me formally this morning. And I, she asked me that question, how you doing? I said, I'm not dead yet. I just look that way. She goes, no, you don't. And I said, my wife says, I smell that way. And she goes, you need to take a shower then. <laughs> says, thank you. That feeds right into this. And the whole idea this morning is we're going to get stinky sometimes. Our walk is going to be a problem for us. And we have to keep coming back to the source of water. We have to keep coming back to the washing of water by the word. It's the only thing that keeps it from becoming unbearable. It's the only thing that allows us to slough off, if you will, the sins of this world. You see, we have a wonderful ability when we accepted Christ as Savior to not just be forgiven of anything we've done in the past, but to be forgiven of anything we do in the future too. All we got to do is come back to Him and confess. Come back to the Word and let the Word cleanse us. Man, I tell you what, I enjoy being in the Bible. Sometimes my sin says, man, I'm ready for sleep. But that Word is what helps me to feel refreshed. You go out and you work in the field all day. I, I'll be quite honest with you. I have not worked in a field in a very long time. I drive a desk most of the time. But at the end of the day, it still feels like I need a shower just to be refreshed. We need this. We need to come to this idea of being dead to self so that we can learn what it means to live in the newness of life, to enjoy the newness of life. Romans 6, verse 22, the Bible says, But now being made free... Oops, excuse me, being now made free from sin and because servant and become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. This verse, verse 22 says, and now being made free from sin. How many of you have uttered those famous words, I can't help it? You did something, you realize it. We, we, either, we make two excuses. One, either I can't help it or the devil made me do it. Both of them are a lie. Both of them are the biggest lie. The devil can't make you do anything. He will encourage you to, but he can't make you. We've been made dead from sin. We're freed from it. And if we say we can't help it, we're making God a liar. I can do all things. That's what the scripture tells us through Christ. 
He's the one that enables us to live a Christian life. He's the one that allows us to walk in the newness of life. He's the one that changes our desires. As an unsaved man, my desires would not be pleasing to God. As a Christian man trying to go back and live those, they are definitely not pleasing to God. We should never do that. We should strive to walk in the newness of life. Walk in this morning. We've got four more of these that we will look at in the near future. And this one has a tie over to one of the others that we'll not get to. Galatians chapter 5 kind of ties into this idea of walking in the newness of life. 5.16, Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we're going to walk in the newness of life, that means walking in the Spirit. That's not something spooky. It's not speaking in tongues like some denominations teach. It's none of that. It's living a life where God is your primary encourager, goal, your model, if you will. He is the one that you're striving to be like. I, I hate the phrases that they use these days. He's my idol. I hate that phrase. The sports figures most often. I don't have any idols. But I do have some characters from Scripture mostly that, that I would strive to be like. But the one that surpasses all of them is God Himself. Jesus Christ, the God-man. He's the one that we should strive to be like. If we're going to walk in the newness of life, read through the Gospels. Look at the life of Jesus Christ. You want to see what a Christian is supposed to be like, you're going to find it right there. Verse number, Galatians chapter 5, verse number 25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Walk in the newness of life. Walk in the Spirit. Guard your life. Strive against sin. I had a training session with an individual at my office this week. She is a new supervisor, didn't understand what was going on, and as far as her new position, and I was trying to train her a little bit and teach her. And during that conversation, I was showing her some things that might not be necessarily part of the job. But you know, they are things that I use to help me to be more accountable. Don't ever be afraid of holding yourself to a higher standard. Jesus Christ is that standard. The Word of God is that standard. Hold yourself to a higher standard than society does. It's not enough to just not rob a bank, okay? It's not enough to, to just come to church on Sunday and Wednesday. As a child of God, we should be interacting with God on a daily basis. We should be in His Word. We should be in prayer. Guys, we, we need this. And it's a part of walking in the newness of life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning. I do thank you for the word of God. And Lord, as we start this invitation time, Lord, I ask you, Father, that you would just work in the lives of those that are in this room.
And Lord, I ask you, Father, that if there's one in this room that does not know Christ as their Savior, Lord, please, work in their heart in the morning, morning message and service. And Lord, don't let them leave this place without you. Lord, if there's one that has questions, Lord, have them ask somebody. Give grace during this time, we pray. Let's all stand to our feet this morning as the piano begins to play. Maybe you're in the room this morning and you know Christ as your Savior. You say, Preacher, I don't always do those things that please Him. And I don't feel like I always walk in the newness of life. Would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand this morning? I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you for your hands. Maybe you're in the room this morning and you do not know Christ as Savior. Would you come? Would you come to the front this morning and let one of us take a Bible and sit down next to you and show you how to trust Christ as your Savior? Father, we ask you this morning for those that would have, that raised their hands, maybe those that might have wanted to but didn't. Father, I ask you, God, that you would help each of us this morning, Lord, to walk in the newness of life. Lord, we don't always do those things that please you. And Lord, I ask you, God, to forgive us this morning. Would you help us as we go into the morning service, help preacher as he prepares to preach, give him the message that we stand in need of. And Lord, just draw us closer to you, we pray. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are dismissed this morning. We have about eight minutes until the morning service. And so don't forget the sign-up lists in the back for next Saturday and that kind of thing. So you're dismissed.
Good morning. Please stand with me as we sing 525. 525. Little is much when God is in it. We'll be singing all three verses. 525. turn over to 462 462 higher ground we'll be singing all four verses 462 
Pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer is higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane that I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts at me are hurled. For faith has caught the joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane that I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost high and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I'll pray till heaven I found. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. singing you can be seated amen well it's great to see you this morning if you're excited to be here this morning would you say amen, amen. oh man i think we can do a little bit better than that come on if you're excited to be in the lord's house on april 2nd this morning would you say amen amen, amen. it's wonderful wonderful great to see you here got a couple announcements for you first of all tonight uh, directly after the p.m service we'll have a, a vbs meeting we'll hold that in the teen room. So if you're at all interested uh, in, in participating or helping uh, in VBS this year, uh, we'd love to see you after the uh, PM service tonight. And then of course, every month, every first Tuesday of the month, we have our Mary and Martha meeting, and that's at 6.30 at night. That's this Tuesday, uh, coming up quickly there. And then of course, we have this Saturday's our April uh, spring cleanup. Um, we had, we had to re-sign up for this, so if you have not re-signed up, uh, we had originally moved it from, uh, I forget the original date, but man, that was that day we had some pretty bad wind. Pretty, pretty, we've had some pretty bad storms lately, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, uh, so we'd love for you to come out. We'll have some breakfast at 8.30 in the morning, and the sign-up sheet there is in the back. And of course, we have Easter Sunday coming up. That's next week. I can't believe it's here already. Uh, make sure we're inviting, inviting people out. I know... Uh, would you pray for my neighbor? He's, he's probably going to come out, bring his family, and, uh, and that would be a great thing. And, and I'm sure you know a lot of people that you are hoping that comes, and that would be wonderful. And, of course, uh, some of the teens are going to Numana Youth Rally. That's all the way in North Carolina, and uh, the cost for that is $120. And uh, you can see me, parents, if you uh, have any questions about that. We'll be headed out there uh, pretty soon here. And April 23rd, this is a new thing. We're going to have a camp bake-off. Uh, that's going to be after, I don't know what day that is. Is it Sunday or Wednesday? Sunday. That's Sunday. I think that's on a Sunday night. We'll have a camp bake-off, and uh, we're going to raise some money, some support for the kids to be able to go to camp this summer. And that's a wonderful thing. 
want to mention, too, today we have a Legends Nursing Home uh, service uh, at 2 p.m. And so if you want to be uh, involved in that, go ahead and see me. And then um, on April 5th, that's a Wednesday, it's going to be at 1 o'clock. We're going to have a Legend, Legends Nursing Home service at uh, 1 p.m. There we go. I forgot the time. It was right in front of me. All righty. Fellas, you can come forward. Pastor will come pray for the offering. Once again, it's great to see you all this morning. All right, just a note on that Legends Nursing Home really quick. Uh, Brother Scalf will be doing that. Brother, Brother DeLello will be helping this afternoon. And then on Wednesday, there's one at, I believe it's 10 o'clock at Amherst, and then 1 o'clock at Legends. And uh, the one at Legends is not in the bulletin, so uh, just make a note of that. A couple prayer requests, keep in prayer. Uh, Nancy and Natalie Nutter, uh, physical and spiritual need. And the Cheryl and Gary Dakeleaf, uh, tree fell on their house. Also, Jeremy, uh, tree fell on their house, too. And uh, praise the Lord, it wasn't as bad, but, uh, but pray for, for people who have a lot of uh, difficulties with trees and all of that, and praise the Lord for safety. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll receive the offering, and we're glad that the Sharpetta's family is with us this morning, and they'll be singing during the offertory. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for your many blessings. God, I pray that you just bless our service this morning. God, I pray that you bless the offering, the singing, the, uh, the music, God, uh, the preaching, every aspect of our service. God, the junior church classes that are going on as well. God, I pray that uh, every, every aspect of it would be honoring and glorifying to you. Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. God, will give you the honor and glory for all of that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Boy, the same. What a lovely name. What a lovely name, the name of Jesus. Reaching higher far than the brightest star. Sweeter than the songs they Saints of every race shall be all to
Please stand with me one last time as we sing 635. 635, we're marching to Zion. We'll be singing all three verses. Thank you for the wonderful singing this morning. You may be seated. At this time, we have Brother Preston to sing a special for us. This is the day I must answer for my life. My fate was in the judge's hands. But then he turned to me and said, I know you. I love you. I gave my life 
just to save you. Love paid the price for mercy. My verdict, not guilty. How can it be? I can't begin to comprehend what kind of grace would take the place for all my sin. I stand in awe now that I have been set free. And the tears well up as I look to the cross because it should have been me. My fate was in the nailed scarred hands. He stretched them out for me and said, I love you. I know you. I gave my life just to save you. Love paid the price for mercy. My verdict, not guilty. I'm falling on my knees to thank you. With everything I am, I'll praise you. So grateful for the words I heard you say. I know you. I love you. I gave my life just to save you. I know you. I love you. I gave my life just to save you. Love paid the price for mercy. My verdict, not guilty. Love paid the price for mercy. My verdict, not guilty. Not guilty. Thank you for that. Certainly, what lovely name, and we're not guilty because Jesus Christ paid our debt of sin. What a blessing to be saved. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter number 16 this morning. And uh, the Lord really used uh, the, the last two missionaries uh, speaking at our church in, in being soul winners. And Brother Andy's here this morning, actually. And uh, he had a meeting and, and they didn't have power. And so uh, obviously they, without power, uh, you don't have heat. In our case, you would not have lights. It is very dark in here. I was in here yesterday uh, and the power went out and it is very dark in this auditorium when those lights go out. And so uh, very difficult. But, uh, uh, but I certainly appreciate the message. And then Wednesday night, if you missed Wednesday night, you missed it. I mean, go back and listen to it. And, and that's, that's okay. Uh, but it's just not the same as 